Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as He leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. If I have not met you yet, I am Heather Jalad. I get the honor and privilege of serving here as the community engagement pastor at Canon Church. We are in the second week of our Advent series, Hidden Christmas. And as Pastor Tim threatened, I mean said last Sunday, we will be reading the genealogy of Jesus um, each of these weeks of the Advent season. Though a bit of an abbreviated version this morning as we consider the hiddenness in the messy family genealogy that we read today. So I'll invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. The genealogy picks up at verse 16 once again. And the Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is God's word for us God's people, and we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. There are many hidden gifts in this, the genealogy of Jesus, though an addendum, addendum type, type uh, um, a smaller version of that genealogy today that I read, not the entirety of it. But this is quite a family tree indeed for us to consider. Who is in your family tree? Has anyone done Ancestry in Me or 23andMe or Ancestry.com or 23andMe? Anyone ever done that? Looked at their ancestry? Many of us are kind of obsessed with our ancestry. Um, I think these, uh, these businesses are kind of counting on it, banking on it, if you will. Um, understandably, we want to know where we come from. We want to know who our people are. Um, for me, I have a relation to Abraham Lincoln. I actually have the, the paperwork to prove it. I know many people say such things, but I actually have the genealogy to prove it. Um, and along with my relation to Abe, there is a half-brother in my family tree that I have never met. There are plenty of Scots and Irish people. My maiden name is McIntyre, so I come by that honestly. And with our girls who are now first-generation Americans on Martin's side of the family, there are 
French and Germans and Syrians and Lebanese, Arabs of all sorts. There are branches that have fought for our freedoms and some who have denied the freedom of others. So what are we looking for in our own genealogies when we consider where we have come from? Maybe someone extraordinary that we might claim fame to by association or relation? Or are we looking to unlock a particular mystery in our past? It was not unlikely um, over time to, or maybe even now, to leave certain branches off the family tree, maybe due to some poor decisions or a stain on the family name that may have been uh, left And certainly we too can disqualify ourselves being too ordinary, we might say, or too unworthy because of our past or even present circumstances to be a part of a particular family. Certainly we want to unlock the the secrets of our past, but what about the mysteries of our future in this new family that God is putting together through Christ? I know that generally people take pride in their genealogies because the names in them orient them in history by establishing some continuity between then and now. And the same could be said for Jesus's family tree, certainly. Sure, some of its branches had crazy aunts and uncles and some questionable lifestyles that were represented by them. But in all their mess and glory, these are Jesus's kin, These are Jesus's kin, and they're ours as co-heirs with Christ, brothers and sisters. This grand epic of Israel's narrative with this birth opens a possibility for all that would hear it to be a part of this same redemptive lineage. Now, genealogy and Genesis, you may have guessed, have the same root and both mean origin, where we come from where we began. And we can tend to brush over them in Scripture, mostly because it's a list of names, and some of them are really hard to pronounce. And I know most of you were like, yay, I'm glad I'm not reading all of those names, (laughs) like Zerubbabel and Aminadab. But this lineage has something significant to teach us about God. And Matthew includes four women in this lineage And that tells us something about who God is and and how God works. Things that might be hidden to us if we just gloss over them or maybe even skip them all together. Matthew wants us to see Jesus' strong attachment to the storyline of the Old Testament, the messianic line through David, inaugurating a kingdom of perfection and righteousness and God's blessing for all of the nations through Abraham including these four women, may not be surprising to us, but was very surprising to the ancient reader and to Matthew's Jewish audience. They, too, are God's instruments. Four women, three Gentile, whose stories were defined by sin and scandal, yet play redemptive roles in God's unfolding drama of salvation. 
You might want to write down what I am going to refer to in the scripture just to read the whole story of each of these women that are included because in these stories is the, are the hidden gifts that God wants us to discover. The first is Tamar, who's listed in this lineage, and her story is in Genesis 38, if you're not familiar. Her story could have been incredibly tragic. She's the daughter-in-law of Judah. Yes, the older son of Jacob who, I don't know, older brothers are pretty tough. I had two of them myself. But he sold his younger brother Joseph into slavery and then ran off and married a Canaanite woman, Tamar, his daughter-in-law is then widowed two times, not once, but twice. And instead of continuing to care for her, which would have been the right thing to do, Judah sends her back to her family. But she's having none of it. See, that left her with really zero prospects for having children, which for a woman in this time, unfortunately, meant she had little to no value whatsoever. In desperation, born out of shattered hope, In Judah's cruel, callous treatment, she does some questionable things. Let's just say the story is for PG-13 and above. Tamar's actions can certainly trouble us. They they certainly trouble me. (laughs) But Judah's were deemed more offensive to the ancient reader. And Judah looked down on her, but she persisted in, in, in insisting on justice for herself, for the right thing to be done. We see questionable behavior, an outsider, a woman, sinful acts of desperation. The presence of immorality in her story would have us all believe that she would not be celebrated in Scripture, and and yet she is included in Jesus' genealogy. Pain, loss, and sin, all of it, a part of her story, would ultimately be redeemed by the Messiah and her family tree. In the story of redemption God is telling, in Tamar's story, there are hidden gifts of hope and righteousness. The second woman mentioned is Rahab, and her story can be read in Joshua too. She lived in Jericho. She was said to be a prostitute or a madam. She sheltered the Jewish spies and helped them escape, asking only that they would spare her family. And certainly she had nothing to do, but she had nothing to lose by sheltering them, by protecting them. And by doing so, she put her own life at risk, trusting the spies and finding faith in their God, in their God rather than in her own people. She becomes the mother of Boaz. She recognized that the God of Israel was the one true sovereign of heaven and earth. We see a prostitute, an outsider, a Canaanite. But in the story of redemption that God is telling, in Rahab's story, we find hidden gifts of trust and of faith. The next woman mentioned in the lineage is Ruth. And Ruth has one of the most beautiful and appealing stories in Scripture. She is truly one of the most appealing and beautiful people in scripture. She's a young Moabite widow who had married into a Jewish family. And they lost everything when her husband and her father-in-law both die unexpectedly. She sacrifices the life that she knew 
with them, with her own people in Moab, for a life of uncertainty because of her love for her mother-in-law, who could not promise her anything that vaguely resembled a comfortable future. But rather than return to her own family, Ruth clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to Naomi's God. It said about her that she was better to Naomi than seven sons. We see an outsider. We see a Moabite whom God had choice words for in Scripture, if you want to look those up. (laughs) A woman. And in the story of redemption, God is telling. In Ruth's story, we find the hidden gifts of love and sacrifice. The next woman in Jesus' lineage that Matthew includes is Bathsheba. You can read her story in 2 Samuel. And while Ruth's story is heartwarming, Bathsheba's is heartbreaking. One with no kindness or respect. Her name isn't even mentioned, but instead she is, is referred to as the wife of Uriah the Hittite, a Gentile. Now, I don't know about you, but for years I've read this lineage and I have been very bothered by the fact that this woman's name is not even listed. And yet, upon further study and reflection, it turns out the way Matthew writes the reference is more about David's sin than anything else. Hey, David, she wasn't even your wife. She was the wife of Uriah. How about that being a little hidden and eye-opening? A reminder that she's not his wife and the sin that is a part of this lineage. Uriah is the Hittite, one of David's most trusted military officers. And while David is home instead of at war, like most kings would have been at that time, he's hanging out on his roof and surveying the land, and his eyes wander and land upon Bathsheba. What results is a pregnancy, but y'all know how pregnancies actually happen, right? Not just his eyes landing on her. And David tries to cover that all up by having her husband murdered. The baby born of their union dies. And to be clear, it was not Bathsheba who was at fault, but in fact David. I mean, let's consider the power dynamics at play in this scenario. While he is the most significant name in the genealogy of Jesus, the inclusion of Bathsheba prevents him from being put on an unwarranted pedestal. Though he is called a man after God's own heart. (laughs) We see shame, we see sin, we see adultery, we see people in relationships of unequal power. We also see Bathsheba's resilience in multiple accounts of grief first for her husband and then for this child, obeying God despite the circumstances that she finds herself in. In the story of redemption, God is telling in Bathsheba's story, we find the hidden gifts of strength and grace and, dare I say, forgiveness. And more more is hidden in the story of Jesus' family tree. Though the prophet Isaiah promised liberation, it was not from Rome or for the Jewish people alone or by the world's standards of power. This liberation in this kingdom is for all people, 
fulfilling both the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenants that God had made with God's people. And finally, what is more surprising or miraculous than a virgin mother? Mary is the only one who knew she would be a part of Jesus' lineage. And Mary, though unlikely and in many, many, many ways ordinary, invites us to say that our stories matter. Though our own stories might seem unlikely or insignificant, everything about Jesus is unlikely. If Matthew wanted to tell a clean and clearly Jewish story, certainly he could have included women like Rebecca or Sarah or Leah. And yet these are the women that he includes in Jesus's lineage. Our Savior did not come into the world through a perfect family with perfect people, but a human one like yours and like mine, with wounds and scars that only God could love and redeem. The family tree of Jesus should shock us. Traditional family values, (laughs) ha! Everything about Jesus' family was outside of racial and religious and, in some cases, moral boundaries. Don't count yourself, your kids, your grandkids out. This scandalous lineage is the means for scandalous grace. This is the family tree that we have been grafted into, that Paul talks about in his letters, adopted into by Jesus. This lineage full of hidden gifts illustrates God's redemptive grace and salvation for every single one of us in and through Christ. I want to leave you with a question. Who would you not expect to find in the lineage of Jesus if he were born today? And how might the grace of God in this redemptive work renew your mind and renew how you look more closely at your family, your church family, and the world that God so loves. Let's pray. Mighty God, we give thanks for this love and this grace, this story of redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation and life and light coming into the world. We are so grateful that none of us is so insignificant to the story that you are telling, that you would not want to use us in miraculous and powerful ways. God, you confound the wise, and you use the foolish to demonstrate your wisdom. Jesus, as we move through this journey of Advent, through this season of Advent, this expectant waiting and watching for you to come again as we celebrate your coming. Give us eyes to see the unexpected, the unexpected ways that you are working. It's in Christ's name that we pray it. And the church said, amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. 
Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.